Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. Well, like I said, uh, this, or like Jared said this morning, we're continuing in our Christian life series on what it, you know, really, how do we live this Christian life? And we've been touching on different aspects of the Christian life. And this morning, we're going to touch on one, uh, on giving. Uh, some people call it tithing and offering, and we're going to talk a little bit about those things. And, and if we're honest, this one kind of gets a little personal, doesn't it? When people start talking about our money and what to do with it. And, and honestly, this is a subject that many people use to stay away from church. Well, I don't want to go to church. They just want my money. Or, you know, why do I need to give God money if God owns a cattle on a thousand fields? Um, Whatever the excuse is, even us as believers, sometimes we might question why we need to give. Uh, we may question how much should we give. Um, so I'm hoping that in this study we'll, we'll get to answer some of those questions and just some basic principles on giving and really a good understanding of what does it mean to give anyways? Why do we give? And what we're going to do is we're going to look, as we often do, going back to the early church, meaning we often do in this series, what was the early church doing? What was their understanding of giving? And we want to follow that example. You see, the early church understood the blessing of giving to others. Not only in their time, which we talked about in their fellowship, right? They spent time with one another. That's fellowship. And they uh, served one another. They spent their talents on one another, Right? They're all gifted in different areas. And so they were serving one another. We've talked about that. But also in their treasures. What did they do with their finances? We're going to look at that this morning. So turn with me, as I said, to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 32 through 37. And, and we're going to gain some principles or see some main points from the early church that I believe we ourselves as a church should also apply to our lives. So let me read through this this morning, and then we'll come back and touch on certain aspects of it. So just for context, so this is the development of the church. Jesus has risen and, and gone, ascended into heaven, and the apostles were out there proclaiming the good news of Jesus' resurrection and the forgiveness of sins. And so the church was beginning to develop. And so that's what we'll see in these early stages here. And so this is what it says. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land and houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. And Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, or Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land and sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So here we have a, a summary of what the early church was doing. And then an example in Joseph, also known to us more uh, popularly as Barnabas and how he lived that out. And so we're going to look at this, and uh, just so you know right up front, I'm not going to advocate for communism or socialism, uh, despite what the text reads. We're going to kind of, you got to understand what was going on here. So let's go ahead and dive into the exposition of this text. And as I said, you have the church 
in its infancy, just starting out, learning how to live the Christian life from the apostles. And here, as I said, the early church is going to give us the correct understanding, in particular, of our finances. For each and every one of us who is working, this applies to us. For each and every one of us who is a believer in Christ, this applies to us. So giving in the early church, we're going to look at it, they didn't just talk about it, they actually did it. Right? It affected their behavior in all that they did. And that's really uh, the testimony of witness in our own lives. Right? How does our relationship with Christ affect us? It's easy to say things. It's easy to even sing things. But how do you walk? How do you live the Christian life? And so let's look at the early church here. Uh, and let's point out, I'm going to point out three things about the early church. And as I said, they also apply to each and every one of us. And the first one is this, that they believed their, possess, their possessions were not just for their own benefit. Look at verse 32 again. It says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and, and soul, and not one of them, look at what it says, claimed that anything Belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. So again, they believed that their possessions, the things that they owned or were given, were not just for them. And I think Pastor Jared said it right. It's really stewardship. It's the stewardship of what God has given us. And we've talked about our time and our talents. And now we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, our treasure. So the early church believed that what they had, what God had given them, was not to be used just for their own benefit. Right? They claimed that what they had did not belong just to them, but it was to help the other people within the congregation. They were not selfish people. They were not hoarding all their resources, uh, in particular their finances, just for themselves from what Scripture says, but instead, they were open to using their finances for the benefit of other people within the church. But that's what it means when it says they, they didn't claim that anything belonged to them. And as you go on and, and read, they says they helped anybody who was in need. And this doesn't mean, hey, they're helping people, you know, take an extra vacation or buy, you know, something fancy. You know, it was basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, that they were helping provide within the church. If somebody had a need, the church rose up and met that need. Similar to what happens within, thankfully to say, within our own congregation, when, when the elders bring a need to the church, there has never been a time, and financially speaking, where you guys did not rise up to meet those needs, or that we didn't have the finances in reserve to meet those needs. And that's really, you, you guys don't always get to see that because you know, you're, not the ben, you're not out there you know, giving out money or paying for things or, or blessing people. That's our position. So we get to see that, but it's only because of you guys that we get to do that. And so it's, it's, it's heartwarming for me as a pastor to say that, that, that our church stands up and is accounted for financially. And, and again, that's not because of the four pastors. You know, it's everybody in this church that gives to the church. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But again, the early church believed that their possessions were not just their own. The Apostle Paul later in the book of Acts uh, testifies to this very point. And you can write this verse down. It's Acts chapter 20, verses 32 through 35. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, And now I command you, or I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. So the Apostle Paul is testifying to his own ministry, right? He's saying, I'm not living off the backs of the church, right? I didn't covet your gold. He's not serving in ministry for the fact you know, to become rich, right? He doesn't go, I want to be a missionary so that I could take money from all the churches that I serve in. That's 
a loose paraphrase there. He says, I have not coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves, he says, know that these hands, speaking of himself, ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. So they worked, and he provided for himself, and the men that were working alongside of him worked for themselves as well. He says, in everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the Apostle Paul was on the front lines of ministry, but he was also saying, I worked. And you guys need to work so that we can provide for others within the church, right? He goes, I showed you that by working hard in the manner you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, right? So part of working, and we need to get this understanding as believers, we work not just for ourselves, but to help those who are weak, meaning poor and the needy. That's part of stewardship, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move on. But again, this is just an example of Paul understood that even though he works with his own hands, he wasn't selfish and said, I'm going to keep that money for myself. No, I'm going to provide for my needs, for the men around me, and for the weak. Now, there's a, a great example of the opposite side of this, of the Gospel of Luke, and you can turn there with me because it's a little bit longer section. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, let's turn to chapter 12 and look at verse 15. Again, this is the contrary example to what I'm speaking, the point I'm making this morning about being, uh, understanding that the finances that we are given, that we are stewards over, thank you for that word, Pastor Jared, uh, is not just for ourselves. So in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus is giving a parable to his followers about covetousness. And he says this, But he said to him, Man, oh, there I go, wrong verses. Verse 15, And he said to them, Beware, and be on guard against every form of greed. Okay? Of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. He told them a parable saying this, The land of a certain rich man who was very productive, uh, and began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns, I will build larger ones, and there I will store all my goods. So the picture is, a, is a, of a rich man. Jesus is not condoning being rich. It's going to be what he does with his finances or doesn't do. So there's this rich man. His business is booming, and he has so much abundance that what does he do? He says, oh, I'm going to build bigger barns so that I could store this for myself. And he goes on to say, verse 19, and I will say to my soul, this is the rich man speaking, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat. Drink and be merry. So his decision, this rich man, being blessed by God and having so much was, you know what? I have so much stuff for many years. I'm going to store it for myself and I'm going to just take it easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And look at what Jesus says. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who, and this is Jesus' point, so everyone listen to this main point. So, so is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That was the point. It's not being rich is not a problem. Not having a great business is a problem. It's what you do with the results of that that was the problem. And this guy kept it for himself. He was greedy, covetousness, selfish. And he wasn't rich towards God, let alone providing for anybody else. And so that's the contrary uh, action to what I'm talking about this morning that we see in the early church. 
Again, the problem here is that he laid up treasures for himself. He was not a good steward with his finances. And again, this is in contrast to what the early church did with their crops, which we'll go back to see, we'll back to see in a moment. And this leads me to my next point. So not only did the early church view their possessions as not only benefiting them, but what did they do with them? They believed, if we look at verses 34 through 45, let me read this and then I'll make my point back in Acts chapter 4. Look at what they did with their finances. It says, And with great power the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. And then look at what it says. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales. So the early church believed that God's blessings were to be shared with those in financial need. Now this doesn't mean that, hey, do we all sell our homes and just give it, you know, to the church? That's not what they're saying, right? We, get, we have to remember the whole totality of God's word. It doesn't say that that's what you're supposed to do. So there's something else going on. What probably meant is some of these people had maybe extra homes or extra land that they felt like, you know what, I, as we'll see later on, that I'm going to sell of their own volition because I want to help somebody in need. Again, it's not unlike those of you in the church when we have a need. You're like, you know what, I have money set aside or I have some extra money that I can donate to this project or give to this family in need whatever the case may be and we've done that over and over again so don't think well oh i can't buy a second home does that mean you can't have a vacation home no that doesn't mean that but again if you read the the totality of god's words especially in acts and mostly in every place where it's told to give it's of their own will that they do this the apostles never required them, you guys need to sell your homes and sell your land and give it to us so that we can provide for the church. That's never said. But the early church believed that these blessings that they had were to be shared with those who were in financial need. Right? And then we're given that specific example at the very end of the text that I read this morning of Barnabas. And here's that example again. And Joseph, a Levite, of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means sons of encouragement. Look at what it says. And who owned a tract of land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So he was moved to sell his land and give the money to the church or the apostles, and they were to distribute it to those who they knew were in need. And so that's the example that we have. And this was a common instruction to the church about providing for the needs within the congregation. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 18, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the young pastor Timothy about how to instruct his church, says this. <clears throat> he says, instruct, instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, instruct them, here's his instruction, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That's the point. The, the early church stood ready to share. Again, they, held the, they had money that God gave them. They held their hands open, was like, oh, you know what? If somebody has need within our congregation, we're going we're gonna to bless them with it. We're, we'll allow you know, God to move in my heart, move in their hearts, to do what he wants to do through the leadership of the apostles. They held that open hand. They didn't say, no, this is mine. I worked for this. I did this. I'm keeping it for myself. And with, with the extra, you know what? I'm going to buy something bigger and better just because I can regardless of who needs what within uh, my sphere of influence, specifically in the church. Paul is telling Timothy, you know, instruct those rich in this present world. See, he's not condoning people who have money. No, but he's just saying, you know what, you rich, 
Be rich in your good works. Bless people. Share with others. Be generous and ready to share is what it says there. Another example of the instruction within the early church about sharing or about providing for the needs of the early church is found in, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. Look at what John says to the churches that he's writing to. He says this. He says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, speaking of Jesus, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And he says this, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. The Apostle John is telling them, you know what? There are people in your congregation who have needs. And you know this. And you say that you love God, then you need to help provide for those needs within the church. Right? You, you can't just say that you love God and that you love your brother and you need to demonstrate it again, right? Put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. And that was, again, just a couple examples of the common teaching within the early church. And let me say this, by way of helping those in need, the, the specific teaching within the New Testament is that the church helps their own, those within their own congregation. You've heard that uh, saying, charity starts at home. Charity starts within our own congregation. We as Renaissance Christian Church should be able to help those in need within the church. Now, we don't always know, and you guys are like, well, we don't know, and we'll talk about that in a moment, the principles, but the elders, we know what's going on a lot of times, and if we know about a need, we try to address it. And I, see, I think you see that example here in Acts, where they, laid the, they, by faith, laid money down at the feet of the apostles and prayed, or at least they should have been praying, for the apostles to listen to the Lord and use those finances for, to meet the needs of the needy. But the point I want to make, I got a little sidetracked there, was that the church helps its own. The Church of Galatia, let me just give you a few examples of this teaching. The church in Galatia, Galatians, Galatians 6.10 says, So then, while we have opportunity to, good, to do good to all people, look at what it says, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And then again in Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 13, as Paul's teaching the Roman church about how to live amongst each other. He says this, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, preserving in tribulation, devoted to prayer, and look at this, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. The teaching, again, within the, within the New Testament is that you need to take care of those in your church, especially the household of faith. Yes, there is a hurting world outside. Yes, there are people in need, but we're first called to take care of the needs within the congregation. The church helps their own. Again, I think it was Izzy who said, you know, the church is known by their love for one another. Or maybe it was Jared. Somebody said some stuff up there. Was it Izzy? Is anybody listening? <laughs> Somebody said it up here. But the point was, is we should be known for our love for one another. I think it was Izzy. Providing for one another. As a matter of fact, one of the early draws to Christianity, and if you've been with me teaching over the years, I've quoted this guy a number of times, his name's Rodney Stark. 
who did a sociological study on how the church expanded so quickly, that was one of the things that they took care of one another. That was the draw from the outside world. They saw these group of people doing life together, caring for one another, burying their dead, saving babies from being killed, providing for one another. That was not going on in the early Roman world, and people were drawn to it because the early church took care of their own. How awesome is it to see just in your own lives when you see a family that takes care of one another, that loves one another, that likes to be around each other, right? I know as parents, you're like, oh, isn't it great when your kids get along, they're loving each other, and you hear them laughing and giggling and playing instead of fighting, isn't that so much better as parents, right? Or is it just me that? Again, the church takes care of their own. Not only do they take care of their own, they take care of their brothers and sisters in the Lord that are outside the church. There's a number of examples of that in the church in Scripture as well. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4 is one of them. And it says this, Now concerning the collection for the saints. So the Apostle Paul was talking to a congregation at Corinth about he was going to come and get money that was being provided for their brothers and sisters in another city. And so this is what he says. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as many as he may prosper so that no collections Be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry the gift to Jerusalem. That was a church they were going to help out. And if it is fitting for me to go also, there I will go, or they will go with me. So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, select some people among you that are trustworthy. Give them the money, and I'll go with them, and we'll all go and take it down to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. You see, the early church not only took care of their own within their congregation, but they helped other saints as well. The early church contributed to the needs of the saints in other churches, uh, not only in their physical, need, or their physical needs, right? Food, clothing, and shelter, but they also provided spiritual needs. They paid for the missionaries to go. They provided whatever that church needed so that God could bless them spiritually, And that's my third point this morning, that the early church, they believed God's blessings were to be used to support those in spiritual need, right? I mean, that's really what it's all about, right? We want people to know Christ. We don't just want to give them food and clothing and shelter because those are temporary. We want them to be saved. We want people to know the Lord And so if we can contribute to that, what a blessing that will be. And that's what the early church did. And you'll see over and over again in the early church, they provided for those needs. If that meant, because there were no buildings for a church, people opened their homes. And the churches were in people's homes at the time. So they provided that that way. Just let me give you, I'm going to rattle off a few examples of this. And you can usually find these lists at the end of every chapter of all the letters by the Apostle Paul where he's thanking people for their service. He, in Romans 16.5, we're told that uh, Prisca and Aquila's house was a church. In Colossians 4.15, he says to greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. And then in Philemon chapter 1, 2, we are told at the very beginning of that book that uh, he's told to greet everybody in the church of your house. So not only did they provide for their physical needs, if it meant, hey, we're going to have church at my home, we're going to open it up and I'm going to provide that way, that's what they did. Praise God right now that we have a building and we can meet in home and meet in a, a big building like this where we can all get together. But there are churches around the world that don't have that luxury who are meeting in homes. You heard of the house churches in China who are underground. And there was a time this year where I know the elders were like, maybe we're going to have to open up our homes. We're going to have four different churches within the congregation because 
the government's not letting us meet. Maybe that's what we have to do. We'll have two churches in Riverside, two churches in Corona, and the pastors will teach, and that's just what it's going to be. And who knows, it may be that way one day. You never know. But praise God, right now we don't have to do that, right? But some people are like, hey, I'll have church in my house. Let's have it. You know, they're generous that way. And this is what the early church was doing. They supported the ministry within the early church by opening their homes. And then there's also a call in the New Testament that they were to give financial support for those who taught them the scriptures. Let me give you a few examples of this. Paul, again, instructs Timothy to instruct his church about supporting the elders financially in the church. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. He says this, The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. They were called to support the ministry efforts of the elders within the church so that they could devote themselves to just all about being God's in God's business, or about God's business, not being in his business, about God's business. Right? And we've talked about that. I know me and Pastor John in the past, we were the, the senior elders by, not by age. I'm, I'm younger than, I'm younger than John. But, uh, just by be serving together is, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could just wake up and do ministry all the time and not have to, you know, go to, go to real work, I guess? I don't know, you know. But we're not there yet, but that's okay. Um, but that's something the early church was called to do, and, and I believe the church is called to do that now, you know. We hope that we get at a position of that where we could do that and just totally be all about God's business 24-7. But that's commanded in the New Testament as well. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to skip that. Just, I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where the Apostle Paul is arguing that point, where he's, being, he's kind of being talked about that, hey, this guy's not, you know, he's in it for himself, so to speak. And so Paul has to fight or argue his point that he deserves to be paid since he's working for them. And so that's because of the time is short, we're not going to go through that. So those are the three main points in giving. Um, again, as we, as we mentioned before, these are not exhaustive in these topics whatsoever. But let me just say these three points again about the early church. And they apply to you and I this morning. That they believed that their possessions were not just for their own benefit. They believed God's blessings were to be shared with those in financial need. And they believed God's blessings were to be used to support those in spiritual need. So, how, what can we do with that information this morning? Let me give you some points of application in giving in the church today. What that means. Knowing these things, how do we go about doing the actual giving? Well, giving in the church today, number one... Uh, we give, this helps with our view and understanding of giving, we give as a part of our worship, right? We have a moment in the church where we, we pray for the offering, for the giving, and it's a way for you and I to say, the part of my worship this morning is I'm going to honor the Lord with my finances. That's exactly what Proverbs 3.1 says. It says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. You see, giving to the Lord is a way that we demonstrate our thankfulness. It's a way of saying, God, thank you for your provision in my life. And I want to give back to you as a way of showing my appreciation for that. It's also a way that we demonstrate our trust in the Lord to use our finances to further the gospel, right? You I think we're very open in what we use our finances for. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago when we have our meeting, right? We gave you our, you know, our financial sheets. This is where all the money is going. This is what we're doing with it. This is what we want to do with it. 
But even then, you by faith are trusting that God is speaking to the elders and using them to further the gospel. So in a way, it's a way of saying, I trust you, Lord, to do what you want with the money through the elders of the church. That's just a reminder for you guys to pray that we uh, are being led by the Lord, that we have wisdom and are listening to the Lord speak to us uh, for all the needs of this church. So again, we give as a part of our worship. And then going back to 1 Corinthians, we're going to be in Corinthians a few more times here. So you could um, turn there if you like. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, this is a model for giving. Again, look at verse 2, chapter 16. It says, On the first day of every week, meaning Sunday, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper, that no collection be made when I come. And again, this was in, uh, I quoted this earlier, this was about the Apostle Paul coming to take money from the church to share with other churches. But it sets some principles for us in our giving, uh, which is my next point, is that, so one, we, we give as part of our worship, right? We're demonstrating to the Lord that we trust Him and that we're thankful to Him. And so we Give him from our finances, right? Proverbs 31 says, honor the Lord from your wealth. Right? And then in giving, it's for all those purposes we talked about earlier. Meeting the needs of the church. Giving to the spiritual needs of the church. You know, to help support the ministries that we want to give to the church. Secondly, we put the thing that we learned from 1 Corinthians 16 is that we put aside Money specifically for the Lord. Look at verse uh, 2 again in 1 Corinthians. Put aside and save. So this is thoughtful. It's not last minute going, oh yeah, I got to give some money to the Lord, you know. He's saying, you know what, think about it. Be purposeful in what you're going to give to the Lord. This is something that we as believers should be have planned out. Again, looking at verse in Proverbs, it says give from the first the first of all your produce. For those of you that like to do spreadsheets, you know line number one should be giving, right? Here's my income. Line number two is giving. That should be number two, right? It's from, because it says it's from the first of all your produce, right? We don't give what I have left over for the Lord. We're not called to do that. We're called to give the first. It's not like, okay, so I just got paid. Uh, I'm going to put some money in my savings, put some money in my 401k, pay these bills, take my wife out. Oh, Lord, I, got, I don't have anything. Sorry. No, it should be, I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to pay my bills you know, on down the line, whatever it is. That's being purposeful. That's how we are called to give as believers. Right? We don't give God the leftovers. Jesus gives us a great example in one of his uh, proverbs, or he's, there's this scene, he's talking about the, the woman who gives, I think it's like God, two minas or two mites, something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he was making a point where these people were coming and giving, right? And these rich people came and they gave, he said, out of their abundance, out of all that the extra they had, and this poor widow, she gave out of her poverty. She gave, she gave all that she had, it says. And his point wasn't in the amount that was given, but it was the heart. She gave everything that she had, and they gave well because they had extra to give to the Lord. So I have a little extra this week. I'm going to give to the Lord. That was the wrong attitude. That was the wrong heart. Again, we are called to set money aside specifically for the Lord. Another, another point to make this morning is that we are to give what we have purpose in our hearts to give. A lot of times, right, we've probably been brought, if you've been brought up in the church, or you have any familiarity with the church, you always hear the word tithe. I'm going to tithe. We even call it sometimes tithing, or probably most of the time. And a tithe means 10%. And you may have been taught, yeah, I have to give 10% to the Lord, or we're supposed to give 10% to the Lord. Well, in my studies over the past few weeks, I, I don't see that anywhere in the New Testament. 
And if you find it, please show me about that. The church, we give 10%. That is an Old Testament teaching. They actually gave more than 10%. It was like 10% of everything, right? It's almost like our government now, taxing every little aspect of our income. They want a tenth of the produce, a tenth of your offering, a tenth of this. So it was really more than a tenth. Now, if you, I'm, I'm not saying don't give 10%. You know, the elders are going, dude, now our giving's going to go down. You just said don't give 10%. No. If you give 10%, great. If you give more, great. If you give less, great. The point is this. You are give what you've purposed in your heart. As I mentioned, we're going to be in Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 quickly. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 says this, another example of giving. The Apostle Paul says that, let each one do just as he has purpose in his heart. He's talking about giving. The point is this, this morning, is that you determine the amount with the Lord what you want to give. If you want to give 10%, great. If you want to give 12%, 15%, 2%, whatever it is, if it's given with the right attitude, if it's given out of faith, then that's what you give. If you want to give 50%, you know, great. I mean, whatever it is, right? Sometimes God blesses us with the gift of giving. We've talked about that as one of the gifts a few weeks ago. But whatever that amount is, it's going to be between you and the Lord. And it's based upon, according to 2 Corinthians 8, 12, right? You can only give what you have, right? You, we're not going to say everybody, oh, you know, everyone has to give, you know, $300 every week. You're like, dude, I don't even make $300. I work at McDonald's four hours a week, you know? No. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 8, 12, you give from what you have. You cannot give what you don't have. So you're, I don't think you're ever going to hear a blanket statement from us up here about the dollar amount that you give. What you're going to hear from us is that you should give to the Lord the amount that you and Him have determined and just give and be faithful in your giving, whatever that is. Right? We believe you should give. If you become a member of the church, we even say that, hey, you should give as a member to the ministries within this church. Again, we don't put a number on it. We don't check you know, I don't have access to the finances of this church. I couldn't tell you what anybody gives, and I don't want to know. It's not for me to know. But the only thing we would encourage you as believers is to give. Give to the Lord, right? So we put money aside specifically for the Lord. We give what we have purposed in our hearts to give. And again, I want to mention our... Um, our meeting we had a few weeks ago, part of that was to show you, and I hope you really looked at that. If you haven't, I'll encourage you to go back and look at it. We put a budget on there to say, this is what we would like. This is what we believe we, we need as a church for furthering the gospel within this church, for getting a building. You know, so we set the budget a little higher and we raise the giving amount higher. You know, sometimes people are like, well, we don't know how much to give because we don't know what the church needs. Well, there it is. That's what we would like, maybe not need, that's what we would like, that's where we want to go. So maybe you can base your giving upon that. You know, maybe you're like, you know, I have extra that I could give to the Lord, or give to the church. And I want to encourage you to pray about that and do that. And I would give you this one warning, is, is don't lie about your giving, don't lie about your giving. Go back to Acts one more time, that same. Because right after these great examples of giving, there's the bad example in Acts chapter 5. I think we're running a little late, but that's okay. They're like, you, you say it's okay. Acts chapter 5. So again, we get this great example of giving within the church, and then we get the bad one. It says this, But a certain man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, or Sapphira, sold the piece of property. Okay, great. They sold property just like everybody else, and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. So they're implicating the wife as well. She knew about it. 
and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. So they sold property, and they must have said, which we might find out, hey, we're going to give it all to the Lord. But they didn't really. They gave some of it and kept it back to themselves. And look at what Peter says. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? And look at what he says. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And, was, and after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. So they must have said, you know what? They must have made a statement or something. Hey, whatever we get, we're going to give it all to the Lord. And Peter's saying, when it was your land, you didn't have to do that. You could have just gave 10%, 2% of that profits from that land. But you said it, you were going to give it all. You didn't lie to us. You lied to God. And you kept back some of it, and your wife knew about it. And you guys both conceived this in your hearts. And verse, look at verse 5. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. If you read the rest of the story, you'd know that the same thing happens to his wife. Imagine if that was to happen today. How many of us would not be here be saying, Hey, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give that for you. And then we don't keep our word. Again, I'm not up here telling you how much to give. I'm just saying whatever you determine to give, then give it. And I'm not, or are you saying, Robert, you and Pastor John and Jared, Dave, and John are going to come to my house and say I kept back some of it and I'm going to fall dead? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I don't wish that on any of us. But you see that happened in the early church to set a precedent. And it says, and fear came upon everybody. You imagine if that happened? The rest of us would give what we said we were going to give if somebody in this church fell dead because of that. I think sometimes God allows people to fall to be an example to everybody else. Even though they're way up there. They're prominent figures in the Christian church and then we find out this craziness in their life and they fall hard. And we think, or at least I think, wow, what damage that done. Why did, why did, you know, almost blaming, why did you let that happen to them, Lord? They were ministering to so many people, but God's like, you know what? This is an example for you too, Robert, to live correctly in your life. Sometimes God allows those things to happen. So whatever you purpose in your heart, make sure you're giving. You're not lying to me. You're not lying to Renaissance Christian Church. You're lying to the Lord. So don't say how much you're going to give out loud to us. <laughs> you know. Anyways, you say it to the Lord. You, but they, I would encourage you, whatever you give, just give faithfully. Right? Even if it's, I mean, even if it's 10 bucks, just give. There's, there's great things that happen when you give, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Let me move quickly here. So not only do, you give, do we give what we purpose in our heart, but we give willingly, he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It's something that we want to do. You shouldn't do it grudgingly or out of compulsion. Again, you guys give what you want to give and give when you want to give. But be faithful and give cheerfully. When we give, it should be a joyful thing. That, hey, I get to give to the Lord. God's going to use this to glorify himself. And that will bring me to my last few points, the results of godly giving in the church. And I'm just going to ramble through these quickly. Sorry for going long. The results of godly giving in the church is this, that the gospel will advance, right? The early church saw many people coming to the Lord as they were doing things correctly, and one of those was giving to the church. God will continue to supply you with the ability to give, and I would encourage you to read 2 Corinthians 9, 9-10, is that the more that you give, God's going to supply that need. Because, hey, I want to give this, God's going to provide for that, the Apostle Paul says, and he's going to keep giving so that you can keep giving. It's like a revolving door, right? If you have a, a generous heart and not hoarding it for yourself, God will just keep supplying that so you could keep blessing others. God will ultimately be thanked by the recipient of those blessings. God will be glorified. And finally and lastly, 
is that God will reward you for your participation in the work of ministry. Again, I mentioned this earlier. You guys don't always see the end result of your giving. And I get to do that sometimes, which is awesome. But God say, you know what, because you gave, I'm going to reward you. And who knows when you get to heaven, you know, who's there because of your giving? Who's been blessed because of your giving? And the Apostle Paul says that's going to be counted as fruit to your account. You're going to get the credit for that. You may not have seen the whole process through, but because you gave faithfully, it's going to be as if you actually did it. And God will reward you. So I pray this morning as I conclude that this helps you understand a little more about giving. It gives you the right perspective and that you will give to the Lord faithfully and joyfully so that he can continue to bless this church and bless you for your faithfulness to him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word and these great examples in scripture that we just touched on. And I pray that you would move in the hearts of every working member of this congregation. Lord God, that you would uh, have time, that they would have time with you and decide with you, Lord, on the amount that they're going to give to your ministries and for your glory. And as a result, Lord God, I pray that you would bless them for that. And as a result, may your name be glorified in this church. And may we see many people this year come to know you as Lord and Savior because we are a faithful giving church. And so we thank you for this morning, Lord, and pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.